Geelong on the charge once again. Long ball in. Taddy's at the back here. Bartell has beaten the sandwich. Gangerfield brushes off. Mullet and goes for goal himself. The brute force of Dangerfield. Welcome back, legends. You're on with the Doc Supercoach podcast. The buys are upon us, Pete. How are you going there, champion? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Not too bad, mate. Start off with Danger Zone. He was absolutely brilliant on the weekend. I don't think I've ever seen a game that good. Maybe one from Chris Judd in the early 2000s. Yeah, I think I remember a um, Gary Ablett game where he got like 254 Supercoach and he just carried the team over the shoulders. But, yeah, this was equally as impressive. He dominated. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I, I thought he was on track to get 50 touches and they benched him for, like, the last the last five minutes so he could uh, have a rest or something like that. He d- it didn't look like he was out of gas. Look, it's not he's not allowed to break records. It's uh, not the team thing. He <laughs> just needs to, yeah, settle down. 48, it's, that's all he's allowed. Yeah, exactly. It's not all about him. He's only allowed to have 12 a quarter. Exactly, and they limited it. So that was, yeah, good coaching. Absolutely crazy. He's the uh, the third person to go near the 200 this year. Um, it's just absolutely insane that um, we can have people putting up these kind of scores on a, on a, a, a basically a weekly basis. 229. Did you have him as a captain? No. No. No, neither did I, actually. <laughs> I thought he was going to point out that I don't have him. <coughs> All right, let's uh, move straight into some teams then, shall we? All righty, yeah. The, yeah. Um, you want to take the first one? Yeah, I was going to go jump straight into the Friday night game. The Kangaroos and the Hawks, there's been a few changes on either side. There's not really a great amount of fantasy relevance. Um, we've got Corey Wagner coming in. Uh, Magic Door might influence the amount of time that Goldie spends in the ruck, although I wouldn't expect it to change it that much. He's probably going to spend more time up forward as Jared waits out with a hip complaint. Um, on the Hawks side of things, 
Um, out goes Mark Pitnett that everyone was expecting to be a, a perma ruck three for the rest of the season for some reason. In comes Sammy Mitchell, Jonathan Selger and Segler and uh, Taylor Jaray um, on that side of things. Probably not nothing too fantasy relevant, especially if Sam Mitchell's going to keep spudding it up. Yeah, well, hopefully he bounces back for those that held him because they've had a terrible ride after like the first five weeks. He has not been good. Yeah. Um, interesting to note that uh, Cade Stewart's on the interchange, so he does get his third game for the Hawks. Uh, with a break-even of negative 98, he's set to make nearly 80000 this week if he puts up an 80. Are you going to get him? I think at this stage I'm probably not looking at trying to get him in. Just based on the buy structures that I have, I don't think I can afford another round 15 buy player. Yeah, that's the same as me. I think some people might be worried about Hodges' return. I'm not sure whether Stewart will drop out or Howe will drop out or even Hartung, who hasn't been particularly good. Um, I think they could all drop out for Hodges. It's not a certainty that Cade Stewart will be the one to make way, but it is still a risk. Look, at this stage, I think probably... Um, you know, we've had quite a, quite a few rookies come through from Hawthorne so far this year. We've had people jump on the brands and these kind of players. I don't think that it's absolutely um, the smartest idea to be trying to get in a, another rookie from Hawthorne that we've already seen aren't making uh, um, long stretches of games so far this year. And another thing to note is that he plays for Hawthorne who play a lot of early games in the round. So even if you're like, oh, I'll just keep him and then use him as a loophole, he's not even a great loophole for the rest of the season. Well, yeah, you can't even can't even use him for an emergency loophole most of the time, let alone a captaincy loophole. Yeah, so, I mean, really I would get him if you desperately needed somebody to play this week. Otherwise, I would probably pass. Yeah, and we'll talk about it a bit later when we get into our buy strategies, but... I wouldn't be advocating spending a trade for the possibility of 80 points in one week and then a rolling donut for the rest of the season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one trade to get him in, and then if you want to take that 80K, you have to still cash him out, and then that's two trades gone. Yeah, exactly right. Um, we've we've touched on the, the fact that you need to make about 100 grand for each trade you make, so you're, you're way, way, way in the red for that. All right, so Brisbane Lions versus West Coast Eagles. There is a lot of fantasy relevance, and by a lot, I mean like three things. Um, the first major one is that Trent West is finally omitted. Yes, get in! <laughs> so, Stefan Martin gets to be a lone ruck and will definitely get 100 this week. I know I said last week he'd get 100 and i was sorely sorely I was surprised mistaken. more people didn't didn't uh ride in and let us know how terrible advice that was i think that's because no one else owns him anymore so they they all ditched him and didn't realize how badly he's been going but all um, the people that have him just have stopped taking notice they're too scared to look oh yeah if you have him you're not willing to listen to the podcast you've just <laughs> given up on given up on supercoach yeah but because he's uh Opponent this week, Nick Nat, is out with uh, an Achilles injury, and Scott Lysett is also dropped due to um, disciplinary issues. Uh, Jonathan Giles comes into the ruck, and Stefan Martin gets to play against him. So hopefully the big uh, Stefan Martin will score well this week. He should go absolutely crazy, but we've said that about him about four times this year already. Yeah, well, this is the time. I can feel it. It's definitely happening. It's definitely um, happening. <laughs> It, it is definitely happening. I like that one. Um, so, Scotty Lysett got on the booze or something before a training session. I, I've got absolutely no idea, but that's usually what they say when there's um, behavioural issues. Isn't that a, a, a Brad Crouch situation as well? 
Well, I'm hoping this one is something less severe. Maybe he came late to training or something like that, and it's only a one-weeker, um, and he gets to play after his bye, so around 13, and play for the rest of the season. He's quite a good player, so you know he would have had to have done something seriously wrong to, to get dropped in the same week that Nick Natanui goes down. And it's one of those things that maybe this whole omission, maybe he's done us super coaches a solid by getting himself omitted to stop him from being picked by so many coaches looking to get out Nick Nat. Or he decided to get dropped so that Stefan Martin can dominate. Yeah, look, either way you look at it, you can spin it into both positive and other positives. <laughs> There's no <laughs> negatives to Scott Lyson not being in the team. That's that. <laughs> true, except for those that own him. Yeah, and um, uh, we've got a, a a debutante for the Lions side of things. That uh, Eric yes. Wood comes in for his first game, the big boy. He is a forward defender at about 160k, so he's a bit more expensive than your average rookie, and uh, he does have that DPP, so that is handy if you still have Marcus Adams or someone and you want to switch. But it's probably more of a wait and see situation there. Um, nothing else particularly. Newsworthy, obviously, Giles comes in. He's not particularly an option at 317k. Um, Lewis Jetta also comes in. Uh, Sam Butler returns to provide some service to the West Coast Eagles, and uh, I think that's it. Yeah, the only other thing that I'd say is probably Jared Jansen's in for his third game. Named on a half forward, I think we've touched on him before. He's just not an accumulator of the ball. Don't go near him. Yeah, he he actually proved us wrong in that first game um, by scoring basically a ton. But yeah, the second one, he uh, lived up to what we thought he would and score mid-40s. I'm expecting something probably similar this week. Um, but if you, at least he's playing. So if you need him through this week or next week, he I would still consider getting him. But that's only if you couldn't afford some other options we'll talk about later. Yeah, exactly right. He's only possible for a cash generation at M11, nothing else other than that. Well, I guess it's situational for your team, but yeah, I'd put him in that category. That's what I put. Reese Matheson still on the emergencies list, so he's still holding out for that third game. So when we need a cash generation, uh, a downgrade or something down towards the end of the year, um, he's there to cover cover us during um, our times of needs, hopefully. Yep. All right. Shall we uh, uh, move free, on? Fremantle in the. the uh, uh, Port Power. Not many changes in this situation. We've got uh, Pavlich coming in for Jack Hannath, who'd been omitted, and Carl Amon coming in for Jared Polek, who's been omitted. Now, there was an article that got popped up during the week uh, where Ross Lyon said that Michael Barlow has been basically invigorated by his new run with role, and not only does it, it help us in the fact that it looks like Michael Barlow, we can finally stop worrying about him um, being dropped from week to week, but he's now got a role in that team that seems permanent. But then it poses the question, who is the player he's going to run with? Well, most of the time you run with a player who is on the ball, so that just means more on-the-ball time for Michael Barlow, which hopefully means uh, some hundred scores from him consistently. Yeah, but uh, I'll, I'll put it to you this. He has done a couple run withs in a row. He's gone to Zaharakis and Daniel Rich. Zaharakis only had 11 touches. Barlow had 26 and a goal. Rich only had 18 touches, whereas Barlow had 23. So he is kind of getting the best of these guys, even though he doesn't seem to have ever been a tagger before. Yeah, he's doing a great job. And hopefully, as you said, um, he'll continue and, and be great for the rest of the season. But I think it's funny that Ross Lyon doesn't play him in the centre 
drops him, brings him back, plays him in the center, and then takes saying, oh, look, I've, I've saved Michael Barlow. I've invigorated <laughs> him. When all he did was just put him in the center, which is what we were telling him to do the whole time. Yeah, exactly. So I'll pose this question to you. If he's tagging this week, does he go to a, uh, a Ollie Wines, a Robbie Gray, a Travis Boak? Who does he go to? Oh, you'd think it'd have to be Robbie Gray in this situation. Um, Robbie Gray will probably have to rest forward and try and kick a few goals on Barlow. But, you know, early in the game when he starts on ball, I think that's his uh, target. Yeah, I, I see, I, I'm a little bit um, suspicious about that because I think that Robbie Gray's a little bit too explosive for him, a little bit too... Um, too much for him to kind of go with. I can see him running with a Travis Boak that has less of that explosive power and just more of that um, that grunt kind of midfielder that that, that Barlow could um, take off his game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly an option, as is uh, Hamish Hartlett, if they decide to drop him back and use him off the half-back flank. Um, that could also be some sort of role. Um, probably for me, I think it's more likely he'd go with Gray to st- at least start with and then play it by ear. Boke's been a bit injured this season, but he definitely could go to Boke. Yeah, and another one that everyone has been talking about is Logan Austin, named it at fullback again. You can't touch him, can you? Well, if you need him for the buys, you can. Yeah, I suppose that's true, but in at this time of the year, I really don't know if you've got that kind of those kind of trades to be trading in someone that's... He'd only ever be a cash generation, wouldn't he? He'd only be... Well, you don't want to field him. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no way in, on earth that you want to have him on your field at any point in time. He's literally, just to get you some cash and sit on the last bench spot, you can put him on. Well, he's probably got, what, four weeks, four weeks left until Jonas returns. So that's only four weeks of cash generation, which could get him up to low 200s if he's lucky. So he could still make you 100K, which would be worth it. But then again, he is a fullback, so he could have a stinker. Um, who knows? Yeah, I'd probably... I'm not planning on going anywhere near him. So um, you know, anyone jumps on him, it's completely up to you, but I'm sticking well clear. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, let's jump into the next game then, Pistol. Bulldogs versus Cats, which is going to be a cracker of a game. And looking forward to watching this one. Um, thankfully, Marcus Adams returns in for Hamling, and Lin Zhong is in for Dalhouse, which is that's definitely a loss. huge loss for the Bulldogs and for Supercoach as well. I'm, he was in many teams. Yeah, he was someone that I was just licking my lips going, right, going to trade him in. He's only a couple of weeks away. Last upgrade in the forward line. Can't wait. Next minute, I've got to find someone else. So I think they've said he's going to be out for four to six weeks, um, or four plus weeks. Uh, It's a bit of a tough situation. I think you would generally trade, but we are in the middle of the buys. So it depends on how well you've you've planned for your buys. If you're tanking the buys and you're just going for your league win, you probably could end up affording to hold him. Yeah, and if worse comes to worse... When he has his buy, you could just give him the flick to someone like Montagna, who's a similar price. Um, that is, an, you know, another a forward premium that could just basically one to the other if you were that desperate and in that situation. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely a move I would try and do. Or Dustin Martin, maybe uh, Delidio, or also other options that will have had their buy in in round thirteen. Um, I think if you have planned accordingly for the buy and and at the moment, I'm planning to have about 20 per round. You probably could 
hold him for four weeks if he does return. But if you think it's going to be a bit longer than four weeks, which I tend to think that might be the case, then I'd probably ditch him um, earlier yeah, rather than I, later. I, conversely, if you've got your team pretty much settled, you could just stick him on your bench at F8 until we, he comes back and he could be a great unique come finals time. Well, I think when he comes back and drops in price, he's going to be around 400k and every man and his dog will get him in. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think probably at this stage, if I had him, which I don't, I'd be probably moving him on um, in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I, I would as well. I think the only other change was uh, Tom Hawkins comes back in after his one week uh, suspension and Darcy Lang is omitted. So not particularly big news there except that Dangerfield gets to play again and score 200 again yeah apparently I'm that's just what I hear trying to find a way to get him in yes Houston <laughs> I can hear your voice in the back of my mind I'm trying I need to find the money somehow just leave me alone all right I think you might be the only person not to have Dangerfield to be honest I'm just a stubborn person mate like it, when I've got my mind on something I'm not paying 700k for it well, <laughs> you will be if you don't get them this week. <laughs> yeah, I'll be paying for it figuratively. Okay, we'll go into the Sydney Swans and Melbourne. Um, another another bunch of changes here. This is moving into the Sunday game, so a lot of these will be on extended benches. Um, Aaliyah Aaliyah coming in, George Hewitt, Tyrone Leonardis, Simon Naismith, uh, Sam Naismith, Toby Nankervis, and Dean Towers come in for the Swans. Um, it's a really long extended bench. I... I can't see um, many of the those ins getting a game. The Nankervises and the Naismiths and well, one uh, has one will come in for as rock relief for Sinclair. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They they uh, are toying with the idea of bringing both in and have a, a three pronged um, ruck attack. I did I did read that somewhere. But, three rucks against Gorn. That sounds like a great idea. I remember how well that works last week for Collingwood. Yeah, I was just literally just going to point that out that. I think you kind of just have to, if you've got, if Sydney has the best rated midfield by champion data in the competition, they can't compete with Max Gorn and he's playing away from home. So he's guaranteed 170 this week. <laughs> um, I think you just need to accept the fact that Gorn is so much better than your team and just back in your midfield to be able to shark the taps. Cause if you've got uh, Joshy Kennedy, um, Tommy Mitchell, Kieran Jack, um, Parker, these kind of guys roaming through the midfield, I would back them in winning those kind of situations rather than losing a runner to bring in an extra tall. And that's why you're actually the coach of Sydney Swans in real life. <laughs> oh, no, I wish, mate. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I'm a little bit concerned that this kind of game could be a bit of a, a, a trap game for those that are, are trying to get a lot of points out of their Sydney players. There, there could be a few running around with um, the Parkers and the JPKs and the Tommy Mitchells, and they just don't get the scores that we're expecting. Like, I think we saw Dan Hannabury had his first below 100 last week, and, you know, you'd expect him to, to bounce back. But I'm just not sure if I'm seeing it this week. It's just like a feeling in the waters I'm getting there, Pistol. Uh, I like to think at the SCG that the Swans all do well, so I'm going to stick by that logic. I don't think Melbourne, they're probably, they're not that good. They did beat Collingwood, but that's not saying much. We are not very good this season, so 
they're probably going to get their butts whooped, I think, by the Swans and should, I'm saying, should score well. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping so. We've got Jared McVeigh named on a half back again, which a lot of people are hoping is where he plays. He played a bit of time up forward again last week and it really impacted his scores. Yeah, it has not been good for um, McVeigh being thrown about all over the field. If he plays plays as a backman, he is great. So let's just hope that that's what the coach sees and they leave him there. It's it's the same reason that Longmire plays Mitchell in the forward line for two you know two quarters at a time when he's their main inside ball winner. Well, the SCG is so small, you're basically playing the forward line the whole game. <laughs> you can have a set shot from half back. That's Buddy does. Yeah, um, yeah, Buddy does. Um, and uh, Christian Petrarca named in the guts. I'll, I'll pose you a question: if if Petrarca gets another good score this week. Would you consider keeping him at like an F7 or would you be like conventional wisdom and trading him out for his buy? That is a tough one. But if he does go particularly well again, I would be inclined to keep him over Carriage just so that I can ditch Carriage because it's more expensive and probably get a better player and use Petrarca's cover. But my gut feel says to ditch Petrarca at his buy. He's done his job, made us money. That's what he was at Cash Cow. And don't be um, too. The, the word is uh, escaping me. Um, clingy yeah. <laughs> to your rookies. Well, I think I was in that situation that, that I had really expected Sam Carriage to be my, uh, be my last on field. And I kind of just sat back and had a look and I thought, mid 80s as a. Like, am I really going to see him as a season keeper? There's absolutely no way. But no. I think with a carriage or someone like that in comparison to a Petrarca, because carriage is the more expensive, you could more easily get him to a Delidio or you know a Martin or someone like that and have Christian Petrarca as a, a, a permanent F7, you know, average 70, that, 75, that may be all you need. Sure, but carriage can be used for um, loopholing, especially because he's got particularly high highs he scores over 100 quite often in which case you take his score and bench one of the other primos um but he does have low lows whereas petrarca probably get you a consistent 70 but i'm not sure you'd be taking any of his scores yeah really good point um there's a, a rookie james rose 150k that everyone's been looking at named on half forward flank again for the swans is he someone you're looking at there pistol i like rose i think he's going to be a pretty handy player and he could get a couple games um, after this in a row, I think he'll he's deserve his spot in the side and will probably play throughout the buy. So if you need someone um, with that round 15 buy, sorry, 14 buy, yeah. I would get him in. But I think most people are uh, packed to the limits with their round 14 players, in which case I wouldn't get him. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Longmire absolutely loves guys that play their role. They, he doesn't have to be a, a world beater. He just needs to play the role that he's been given. And I think Rose is benefiting from the fact that he's sticking to his role, doing what he's told to do, and making the team better because of it. Yeah, he's scored very well in Dream Team. It hasn't quite translated over in the Super Coach, just him averaging about 70. Um, but you know what? That's pretty good for a forward rookie. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to the next game. I think that covers everything. Um, Essendon and the Giants. This is going to be another bloodbath. The Dons are absolutely falling away like Humpty Dumpty, just shattering into a million pieces. It's it's not looking good for my boys, mate. Yeah, I can't imagine how you feel supporting a club that keeps losing. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wait, Collingwood. <laughs> Collingwood. <laughs> yeah, at least we didn't lose to Melbourne, mate. At least you haven't lost twice to Melbourne. <laughs> We've got a few uh, few ins this week, mate. Run us through them. 
All right, well, Michael Hartley makes his long-awaited return to uh, Essendon, which will sure to put a smile on those faces who have held him, um, with McDonald Tip and Woody also coming back. So that's a big plus for those that held him, which I imagine is quite a few of you. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Langford comes out, but other than that, on the extended bench is some gun players like Zaharakis, who definitely won't be dropped, and Jackson Merritt is uh, probably in the same <laughs> probably going to be dropped. He's uh, struggling it's, at the it's moment. Jackson Merritt. He's he's an absolute dud, mate. He kills it in the VFL, racks up like thirty touches as like their main ball winner. Comes to the AFL and just gets blown over. He's he's struggling at the moment, so I'm not sure he's going to get a game. Um, for GWS, there's actually some big outs here with Shane Mumford getting a rest and Stevie J probably getting a fortnight off. Um, Shane Mumford is a bit of a surprise here. I don't think anyone was expecting him to, to get a, a week off, but it's, it makes perfect sense. I mean, they're playing Dons. He's generally an injury-prone player. Um, why not give him a week off? Yeah, I was literally about to say that. It's Shane Mumford. He's missing a week. What's the surprise? He played like three games in a row. Of course he needs a week off. It's good timing as well. I mean, bad timing for the players that picked him. But I mean, I think everyone knew when you pick Shane Mumford, you're going to need to get cover. So I imagine they all have liced it and that's just been <laughs> yeah, that, that's just a disaster. Um, we've got a couple debutants for the Giants, we do. Uh, most likely. Matt Kennedy um, named on field. He was there second pick in the draft. I can't think, remember off the top of my head. But he's got some really, really good numbers um, in the NEFL and he had a lot of uh, really good junior numbers. He was averaging across, uh, above 100 um, super coach points across all the formats uh, and competitions that he played as a junior. Um, and they've got Harrison, uh, Harrison Himmelberg named on an extended bench. If you're going to name a debutant against the Dons, it would probably be the one to do it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I would do that if I was a coach. But the thing is, both of these rookies that you've named are about 160K. So they're not really at that 100, uh, you know, 21, 117 price mark. They're a bit more expensive. So I'm not sure how super coach relevant they would be. Yeah. And another one that really scares us is Jacob Hopper named on the last on the extended bench. You've got Coniglio, uh, Zach Williams. They're probably going to get games. Say, for example, Harrison Himmelberg comes in for a debut. Um, You've still got Jack Steele, Jacob Hopper, these kind of guys on the extended bench. Fingers, fingers crossed that he stays in the team, Pete, because I really need Hopper to play during the buys. So do I. I think between Steele and Hopper, it is certainly a 50-50 call. They might want to get Steele into the team and play him into some form. Maybe Rest Hopper has played quite a few games in a row. Or the the other way, they'd play Hopper and get some confidence into him against the Dons. Um, Yeah. I really hope Hopper plays. Well, I'll, 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 I'll give you this postulation to you. If his first game was against the Gold Coast Suns because they knew they were going to smash him, they, and he went absolutely crazy, and then they had a, a three- or four-week run where they had, you know, um, Sydney and, you know, Geelong, you know, uh, uh, these kind of... Re- Adelaide even, I think, was another one. Really hard teams, um, contested teams as well to play against. Like, his dream team numbers haven't been all that bad. Um, I think he had almost a 70 on the weekend, but only had a 40 in Supercoach. I think it would be perfect for him to have an easier week against Essendon. I really hope so, and I I hope that's the case. But my gut is telling me that uh, they're going to give a Jack Steele a shot. So I hope I'm wrong. hope my gut's wrong. Um, Hopper just needs to hit a couple more handballs on target. I think I was watching him, and he kept 
just missing the target a little bit and then just got an extra clanger here and there. I think he ends up with four or five last week, which is a bit too many for somebody that doesn't get so many touches. And yeah. that's why his super coach score is a bit lower. Yep. Um, another rookie just to be looking at, Will Hams is on the bubble this week getting his third game for the Dons. Name it a full forward. He's always been that kind of eight touches a game, maybe one goal and five tackles a game kind of pressure forward. He did spend a lot of time in the midfield through the uh, VFL, but he seems to have returned back to that kind of pressure um, forward pocket kind of player in the AFL, Pete. Yeah, he's doing what Nick uh, Nick Comer couldn't do and hold, seeming, seemingly holding his spot in the team in that forward line. Um, I think he's a decent role player, but I'm not sure he's the best super coach option, though. Yeah, he's definitely getting um, more of a, a, a dream team kind of look in, I think. I don't think his, his efforts are really transferring to super coach just yet. But again, it's one of those situations, even though he's elevated at 150k... <laughs> I can can see reasons why you would bring him in. I don't think that I would bring him in unless I uh, had round 14 covered. Yeah, I mean, we've said don't bring in these players, these rookies, but we've said that for nearly all of them. So, I mean, you have to bring in one one or two of them. Um, I like to think people are going to bring in Jack Trangrove because he's uh, seemingly doing quite well. But um, Tom Phillips as well is probably a good shout for when if he plays in his second game. Sam J. Reed is named on the wing in the Giants. I'm not too keen on him either, I should say. He's 118k forward mid. Um, he's a bit older, I think you said before he's 27. Yeah, so he's, he's turning 27 this year. So, you know, the guy's been in the system for quite a while, had quite a few injuries, got delisted, got back in through the rookie draft. Um, he, he is a, a much lower price, but he hasn't even really been setting the needle on fire. I, don't, I wouldn't be going ahead and getting him. Yeah, I think it's tough with GWS. They just have so many good players on their list. You really don't know who's going to be coming in and out each week. Yeah, and uh, someone that we didn't touch off uh, on that you've just mentioned is Jack Trengrove, a, uh, a minus uh, 50 break-even this week or thereabouts. At 150K, I, I'm just going to go straight from Davis to at his buy to, to Trengrove this week because I do need the cash. Yeah, that's definitely a trade. I think a lot of people will be making um, myself somewhat included except I'm trading Hewitt to uh, Trangrove to fill up fill uh, up my bank um, Hewitt is going to drop quite a bit in price got a high break even so I don't need the extra player this week fortunately so that's yeah that's something I'm looking at doing so this is the, the what we call the Lincoln McCarthy trick that you described earlier on um, in the other podcast is that you held Hewitt while he was not going to drop in price but he wasn't playing and then now that he's coming back and he's going to absolutely plummet in price because of his concussed 10 you're going to get rid of him before he starts losing cash even though he's playing yep that's exactly right I think if I needed the player I would not get rid of Hewitt I'd use him throughout the buys but fortunately I've planned pretty well so I've got the opportunity to ditch him yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll just jump into a bit of a rookie section um, because a lot of people use this this first week of the buys. One of the structures that you can go with, one of the the strategies, the theorems that you can go with, is to use round thirteen or category A, the first buy, to do a massive downgrade of players and bank that cash ready to upgrade to those coming off their buy. So we'll just run through a couple. We'll start in the midfield. We've got Cade Stewart at, at minus 98 break-even, Jared Jansen minus 59, Tom Phillips minus 57, Jack Trengrove minus 47, 
Um, you've got Sam Reed minus 21, Tom Cole minus 18. There's really not many standouts other than maybe a Trengrove, a Cade Stewart, and a Jared Jansen that are actually getting games this week. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Philip still has another game to play before he's going to rise in price, but uh, he's, he's the one for me that I'd watch for next week. Or if you had to get somebody early and you wanted to risk it, I think that's he's probably the safest option. Other than that, you've got to go with the... Uh, Melbourne rookie. Um, other than that, I'm not can't really see too many great options. Yeah, so even though Jack Trengrove is extremely injury prone, you by this stage of the season, there's no way you'd need to be fielding him at any point. He is just that that cash um, grab that you need to finalise your team. So I have no hesitancy getting him in, even if he does what he usually does and um, just destroys himself into a thousand pieces. You know, five minutes into the next uh, next game. Well, let's hope it doesn't get to that, but he might still score a couple of 70s along the way, and I'll be very pleased about that. Yeah, I'd be absolutely thrilled if he did that. We'll jump into the, the back line. Logan Austin that we talked about, minus 47. I don't think I'd be going near him. What about you, Pete? Uh, no, it's a pass from me. Nah. Uh, those that already have Sam Collins, minus 35 break even. You've got Darcy Tucker, minus 19. Um, what do you think about getting a Thomas Cole in, Pete? Where, do you have any sneaky manoeuvres that you might have thought about with a player like that? I actually am getting Tom Cole this week. He isn't named and is not named on the extended bench, uh, on the uh, emergency. So you might be saying, why am I getting in someone that's not going to play? Why are you doing that? Explain <laughs> to me, mate. I actually have no one in my back line with around 13 by, so I have a full playing back line. So what I decided to do was trade Josh Smith from Collingwood to Tom Cole, and then I could switch Bartell into my midfield to give me an extra player there. And then I just put Tom Cole, he's in my back line, and I can play Tucker or Collins, whichever one I want. And it actually gives me an extra play for this week. And I've planned for the next two rounds, so I'm comfortable having that non-playing player in the future. So the reason that works is because Tom Cole is a defensive mid, isn't he? Yes. So you can basically just get that um, but that defensive mid premium that you want to swap into the midfield, get the extra player from the bench into the back line, and it actually frees up that one extra free body onto the field. And Thomas Cole has already had a couple games, so he's already on the bubble, so you've got him there for when he does get his next game. Yeah, he might not, and I'm okay with that. West Coast are particularly good at loopholing through later in the later parts of the year, which is what I'm hoping to do with Marcus Adams when I eventually move him to my bench. Um, another player that you could get is Jesse Joyce from Gold Coast. He's played two games, the last two games. He's averaging about 25, so he's not a particularly good option, but if you need someone playing through the buys, he, if he's named next week, I should say, um, he's definitely an option. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he can double his score and get a 50 and maybe be worth it for you um but he isn't the best loophole option available after that i think the west coast boys are probably the best yeah the the perth teams seem to always play a lot of later games um we'll move into some forwards the the guys that uh, we've touched on already we've got tom phillips minus 57 james rose minus 43 sam reed minus 21 will hams minus 20 um you've even got a reese conqueror at minus 13 for those that are feeling uh, really really ballsy um, out of those, I think Rose and Tom Phillips are the ones, and maybe a Will Hams are the ones that I would be considering if I was. I think probably the one that stands out for me is probably a James Rose. Yeah, this week I would get Rose if I had to get one of those those players, and then I'd look for Phillips in the following week. Yeah, the only thing for me with Phillips, it's it, it, I can understand your theory, but you know, you get him in this week, he has his buy. You get to next week when you need him to play his second game, and he's dropped. That is. 
definitely the risk there. Uh, fortunately, he does have forward mid eligibility. So if worst comes to worst, I'll just stick him at M11 and use him as my swing, my DPP swing in the future when I've eventually got a uh, Dalhouse or carriage or somebody on my bench and can cover my midfield and forward line with him. Yeah, and he did play a really good game and on his debut, so I'd, I'd be expecting him to come back. Uh, he was far from our worst on the day, so I'd be quite surprised if he got dropped. Yeah. All right, let's uh, jump into some captaincy options. Now, this is uh, something that I find a little bit interesting because we don't have a full, uh, a lot, a lot of... Um, uh, your full amount of games this week, so we have to really think carefully about who is going to be a VC um, option or uh, our captain options. Uh, Pete, we've got uh, North Melbourne and Hawthorne playing on the Friday night. Maybe a Goldie. I think Goldie. I mean, Daw probably reduces the attractiveness of that pick, but mm. Goldstein still against uh, you know Segler McAvoy combo. I'd probably go with uh, yeah. Gold, Goldie is a solid option, I think, for me. Yeah. Um, the thing with Majak Door is he's probably covering weight, so he'll probably only spend very limited stints in the middle, and Goldie will probably spend a lot of time in the rucks. In saying that, though, he really hasn't been in very good form at all lately, so I'd probably be sticking clear of him. Uh, what about a West Coast Eagles and Brisbane Lions game? What about a, a Tom Rockley for a, a Pritis or something like that, Pete? Rockliffe at home at the Gabba generally scores really well, so he's someone that I'd look at at getting my VC on. Pritis, I'm just unsure how he'll go without Nick Nat feeding it down his throat. I think that's going to be something that I'll have to wait and see. Probably a bit too risky for me. Yeah, and I think for a VC, um, with the form that Rock is in, he knocked, knocked up another 140 Dream Team last week. Really, did, um, His clang is only really, uh, and his efficiency really brought his super coach down. So at home, there's no reason to think that um, a sneaky VC on Rocky wouldn't be a bad idea. Yep, definitely. Okay. Uh, Free on Port, you've maybe got a Robbie Gray. Uh, Neil. Yeah, or a Neil if you have him. He got hit by the uh, the curse. Um, as soon as everyone gets your trades you're in, you start having bad games. So hopefully he bounces back this week. Um, Paddy Dangerfield and Joel Selwood on a uh, the Saturday night game, very, very good VC options. Yeah, both of them. I think probably every man is going to have... Uh, or every every person, I should say, sorry, ladies, every person will have their VC on Dangerfield or C on Dangerfield at least after his 229. Yeah, don't upset the ladies, especially when we're about to have a segment talking about the uh, new women's league there, mate. I'm doing my best. <laughs> all right, because uh, if you go, Dangerfield's a no-brainer because then you've got on Sunday, you've got all of the Sydney guns, you've got anyone from GWS versus uh, Essendon, um, like a Ward or someone like that, or even a, a Dylan Shield. Um, I think it's an absolute no-brainer if you want to put a, a, a VC on a, on a Selwood or a, a Danger. Yeah, I'm thinking of going Dangerfield VC into Shaw as captain, actually. Yeah, or what about even a, 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 a Max Gorn against Sydney um, as a captaincy option on the Sunday? Probably, for me, a little bit too risky as a captaincy option, but I would consider chucking my C, uh, my VC on him. Um, just to remind everybody, you can put your captain on a buy player, or the one with the little blue dots if you're on desktop. They, they only get locked out at the very end of the round, so you can use them as your loopholing option this week. Yeah, so just to be clear, they get locked out at the start of the very last game, isn't that is that right? They get yep. locked. They get locked out as soon as the ball is bounced from Essendon and GWS at four forty on the Sunday. 
Correct. So you could put your captain on them if you are putting your vice on Max Gorn, for example. Yeah, exactly right. So that Sydney and Melbourne game will be concluding pretty much as the Essendon GWS game starts. So if you really wanted to do a VC Gorn, say you didn't have a danger field, <coughs> Chizo, um, you could then uh, run into a Ward or a, a Shaw um, in the GWS uh, outfit. Yep, that's a good plan. All right. Seeing as you've already mentioned it, let's jump straight into uh, what I think is absolutely brilliant for the game of AFL, and that's the uh, inaugural Women's League where we've got eight teams uh, entered in to um, have this national competition um, not just running on one side, uh, one gender side. Like it's, it's, we, one of the things that we know is we have such a, a broad audience in the AFL that. Um, there's so many ladies out there that love the sport as well. It's brilliant that it's not just a, a male-dominated sport anymore. Yeah, I'm extremely pleased that they're deciding to have a women's league. I mean, um, I kick to kick with with some of friends growing up, and you know their sisters would play, and then you know they were better kicks than I was, and then they got told you know at under 12, so they're like no longer allowed to play footy, and I was like, how ridiculous is that? Yeah, it's it, it's absolutely. Um, appalling that your gender should uh, dictate whether you're allowed to play a sport that you love and um you know we've got a a, a broad um branch of of ladies that play supercoach and and hit us up on facebook for supercoach tips because you know it's this supercoach isn't a just a male a male um game it's i think this is great for um hopefully supercoach as well hopefully we have a a, a ladies league a supercoach team you know imagine in the inaugural league being able to um pick, <laughs> pick a whole team full of rookie price players except for the marquee players uh, i don't know how they'd work it but i reckon that'd be just awesome yeah i think it'd be lots of fun um you're gonna get you know, daisy pierce racking up to 150 points every game just perma c yeah daisy pierce is i was gonna say like the gary ablett but gary ablett's not the equivalent of daisy pierce she's that good yeah, <laughs> so just to run through the uh, the sides that actually have a, a, a ladies team, um, we have Adelaide, we have Brisbane, we have Carlton, we have Collingwood, which is really interesting because I'm still waiting for Collingwood to submit their male team to the male competition. <laughs> uh, we've got Frio, we've got GWS, we've got the uh, Melbourne and Bulldogs teams, which have been duking it out for the last couple of years. I think this is going to be really, really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I like, you know, there's the format is uh, it's a six-week um, home and away series and there's two weeks of finals I'm a bit annoyed that it's not a seven week si- uh, home and away so every team plays everyone at least once because at the moment they're just not playing one team once which seems a bit strange for me but um, I'm just yeah happy that it's there anyway yeah uh, to be honest like they've got to start off small but I I think it's brilliant that not only did they um put their hand up and say look we want to play um full full squads we want to play full time on we want to do uh, you know full bench rotations we want to do all this kind of stuff exactly as afl is played and i think that's absolutely brilliant that um they're not being um without being condescending that the afl is not making them um play some kind of substandard auskick rules as a gender stereotype, I think it's great that the that they're being able to play AFL. Yeah, I think the AFL proposed it to them, and I'm just like, what sort of crap is that? I mean, it's AFL. They, they're playing at the moment exactly the same way that men are playing, so why would they make a pro league and then just change the rules? It doesn't make any sense. So I'm glad they told uh, the AFL to stick it where the sun don't shine and they got their own way, and yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And I, I can tell you from experience that... Um, 
some of the best sports to watch are lady sports. Like the I remember in in high school, girls um, AFL games were were just the best. You always had the best turnout at school. Like everyone came down to watch, um, especially if there was like a grudge match between two high schools that didn't like each other or anything like that. It was it was just an absolute spectacle to watch, and I can I can see a hell of a lot of people turning out to watch these games. I hope so. I hope it does really well. Yeah, it's uh, um, something that I'm really, really keen for, and I'm really, really hoping we've got a super coach thing because I, you know, you've got you've got the the normal super coach games uh, with the team we've got going at the moment, and once that one's cooked, it you switch over to the ladies league, you get a whole new team, and it just be <laughs> a real, you know, champion data get onto it. I can't wait. Yeah, I think it will be exciting, especially it's a good way for everyone to learn all the players and get really involved. I think a lot of people learn a lot more about the AFL when they learn all the rookies via Supercoach. And I think this would be just a great way if they launched a uh, Supercoach um, Women's League uh, version uh, for, for them. I think everyone would learn the players and it just, you know, speed up the process of making it a huge hit. And not only that, it would um, give you give all kinds of players of Supercoach and another reason to watch the games. You get a heap more viewership. You get a lot more inter- uh, like interacting um, of communities um, around the Supercoach uh, game as well. Um, I, I, I honestly can't see any negatives to having a, a, a ladies Supercoach team as well. Like, uh, I, we're kind of just kind of thinking about it off, off the cuff here, mate, but uh, I'm actually getting excited and it's not, <laughs> even, a, it's not even a real thing. <laughs> Can, you're getting very excited. I'm quite, I'm quite scared at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, a brilliant initiative and um, it's been something that's been a long time coming and I think it's great. Yep, so do I. All right, uh, last thing that we'll touch on, um, I think, mate, we'll just go through some community questions. We put the call out for... My section. This is my section, right? Yeah, okay, this is your section. <laughs> um, the community has written in and they have said... Enough with these puns going over people's heads. Pete needs his own section to talk about um, his puns and things that make him laugh. Why not just have you know a Pete's puns or a Pistol's puns? So we're going to do that, mate. You see, you're telling me you got one for it. You wouldn't, wouldn't tell me what it is all day, so I laughed on it. So it better be good. Um, I, I'm pretty happy with myself when I thought of it, but the problem is I don't usually think of puns and then just like hold it in. And plan it in advance. Oh, you can't just, go uh, back on it now. You can't tongue. go back of it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Anyway, I was thinking about the um, the the Australians is woman women's league, and I was really excited about it. I read all the articles, and you know everything was great. And then I was thinking, well, the AFL is called you know the Australian Football League is AFL. I'm like, what are they just going to call the uh, the women's league? Is it is it going to be the Australians Women Football League? Because that sounds awful. You are awful. That is that is terrible. Come on, that hey. that come on. Oh my A-W-F-L. god. A W F L. It sounds oh awful. Oh, come on. Well, I suppose that's the only spelling they can use because they can't use women's AFL league because that'd be the waffle, and they've already got one of those. Exactly. So I, I'm. I think they actually have to go at this stage with the A W F L, which is not a good name. This segment is awful. <laughs> I'd like to apologise to all of our fans out there. That is, that was the best I could do. Let's um, just segue straight into the uh, the Doctor Supercoach Facebook page. Um, we've had a, a lot of people write in post comments. Um, we put up a, a little 
a little questionnaire earlier about things people would like to see. We've had over 40 comments in the last hour. Yeah, oh, let, let's go through some of these because these are these are <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> it's going to be a long pod, we'll, guys. We'll 40 pick questions. the most interesting ones, the most relevant. How about that? Um, yeah, based off most replies slash likes, I guess. Yeah, I, I reckon let's go off that. Um, Jack Winchcomb, I'll start off. Doc, I've only got nine trades left. Dahl House still have Petrarca and Smith on the ground covering Dahl and Hall but also still have Matty D and Sam Collins at D5, D6. Thinking of trading Dahl for Trenners this week. Who the hell's Trenners? Trengrove. <laughs> Trengrove, yep. Jeez, I haven't even heard of that one. Um, and next week, D and Collins for Brody Smith and probably Cade Simpson. Uh, however, I believe this will leave me with Petrarca on ground for the season. What do you think? I don't think he has much of a choice by the sounds of nine <laughs> trades and nine all trades. Those... Rookies, I don't know where, where his trades have gone. He must have been hit very hard by injuries. Has he just been sidewaysing? Jack, have you been sidewaysing? I think he's he must have been hit hard by injuries if we're going to look at he's already been hit this week. Um, yes, Brody Smith is an... <laughs> I mean, obviously you're trying to get value for money here. Um, Brody Smith is a decent option. If you want to go 50K cheaper, you can still look at Matty Rosa. Um, he mm-hmm. came up with a pretty good score last week, and the Gold Coast draw on the way home is pretty good. So I think he could at least average 85-90, which might be enough for your uh, D6. Um, Cade Simpson is a great choice, so I would stick with that one. What yeah. about you? What do you I, think, Cheezer? I, I wouldn't be bailing on Sam Collins yet, especially before he gets to his buy round. Yes. I guess you could wait one more week. So in yeah. two weeks' time, trade trade for a different primo i think there's a couple of bottom bottoms out ones anyway um led at 470 i'm not sure how much you can afford to spend jack but if you're trying to save money um maybe consider rosa over smith to get to make sure that you can finish the rest of your team yeah jack one thing that i want to point out yes it's the multi-buy rounds yes we get three trades a week i know you've only got nine trades this doesn't mean you have to spend all nine trades so you have none by the left of the buy rest of the buyers like if you can hold Dalhouse, there's absolutely no reason why you can't hold Dalhouse. Like he he could be absolutely brilliant. Same with um, uh, a JJ coming back later towards the end of the year. You could get uh, use your trade to get him in the back line. Um, someone that you haven't thought about that you could get in for Sam Collins um, later on when Sam Collins has even made more money. Like if you're at this stage and you've been hit by so many injuries and you've had to do so much trading to try and dig yourself out of a hole why not just accept that you're behind the eight ball and try and think of another way to get out of it rather than trading people before they've even made max price that is a good point i guess you could go smith to trenners and uh then trade in with that money you could still get some other primos and keep dalhouse and work around it just trade around it so something that i did this year i there was one week where i had hall on the bench I had Wells on the bench, I had Gaz on the bench, I had Rocky on the bench, I had Laird on the bench, um, I had Boyd on the bench, and instead of like going, oh, I'm going to have a donut here, I actually copped two donuts for that round, but that's two trades that I can use later in the season, and all those guys came back, and they're all smashing it. That was just very unfortunate, and that's why you're not having a great season. <laughs> yeah, well... You never not, want to be in that not, situation. Let's not go into that that situation about my year, but don't get sucked into trading just because it's the multi-buy rounds. Yeah, we've got three trades. Let's just trade all things. Don't get sucked into it. So let's go into uh, 
one of the next questions. Um, this one from Dan Sorrell. It says, help me, Doc. I have 13 trades remaining. Best plan for Tippett? I'm playing him as F6 and Ruck Insurance. Mm. One, hold Tippett for six weeks and save a trade. Two, sideways Tippett this week to a buddy Wingard and lose the Ruck DPP coverage but get points through buys. Three, trade for Lyset to maintain DPP coverage no. even though Lyset <laughs> will miss the next two weeks. Four, and I think I'm answering my own question, sideways trade this week to Buddy Wingard and trade in Lyset in two more weeks after his buy. They all sound bloody terrible. <laughs> um, well, I wouldn't hold for six weeks. Uh, if you have Tippett, I would trade him out without thinking about it. Same as if you have Nick Nat, don't keep him. He could be out for the season, so ditch him. Yeah. Um, I would definitely trade Tippett. I'm not sure I'd get in Buddy or Wingard if those were my only options. Um, I would get Buddy, but hopefully um, you could get somebody else, maybe spend a little bit more, maybe if you don't have a... Um, I guess if you need... Depends if you need someone that's playing this week. I think maybe that's why you suggested Buddy Wingard. Um, otherwise, why don't you just save a trade for Ruck Insurance instead of getting in Lysit as Ruck Insurance? Yeah, and how is it really insurance if you're trading him in only to have him miss two weeks? Well, I think... He's saying he wants to sideways him to Buddy and then in two weeks get Lysett, which I can somewhat understand if Lysett's going to be your F7. Um, right, 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 yeah. But, yeah, I, you could also not trade in Lysett and just hold the trade in case one of your rucks goes down. This is a really, really worst-case scenario and probably something that I wouldn't recommend based on the season so far. Steph Martin's only 370k. That is true. He's extremely cheap. And he's going to score 100 this week. And just in relation to last year, Steph Martin came home averaging 120 over the last 12 rounds last year. That is many points. He only averaged 90 in the first 10 with Lewenberger in the team. If Trent West continues to stay out of the team and Steph Martin you know, picks back up to what he did the end of last year, he could home, come home like a steam train. Yeah, that's a very good point for those that have extra money and are willing to pay, I guess, a premium for their bench cover. Um, it's something to consider. Yeah, especially because it's not the uh, uh, ruck forward eligibility. Um, for me, I would definitely be trading Tippett. Um, I, I do like. I think the best option would be the two trades where you get in a, a say, a buddy or a wing guard and then getting a license in for the DPP later on. I... Doesn't I, have to be in two weeks. Wait until yeah. he's bottomed out in price. Yeah, exactly right. I, I don't necessarily think you have to have those players, but it's probably the best, hash, you know, inverted bracket uh, commas best option. Yep, I agree. Okay. What's the next question? Um, James Arshad, uh, I can afford trading Nick Nat to Gorn, but trading to Mumford instead allows me to upgrade Hopper to Pendles next week. Do I go with Mummy, bit risky, or he's not even playing this week, or do I go with the ever-reliable Gorn? Now, the reason I brought this one up is because Gorn is the number one ruck this year. He is far and beyond um, anyone else in terms of points scored and also average, considering that Nick Nat's out for the next eight weeks and Goldstein has been absolutely spudding it lately. I have absolutely no drama someone going basically a sideways trade from Nick Nat to Gorn because of injury. I'm not sure there's many other options except for perhaps Jacobs, who 
has an easy draw, but you really want to bring in the best of the best at this stage. Um, no mucking around. So if you can afford to get in gone, get in gone. And the thing is, like, if you're training in the midfield, yeah, there's like 15, 20 guys that average above, you know, 1.5, But in the rucks, you've only got two or three guys that average in that top echelon. So getting, um, some, getting someone that's the next level down just creates such a chasm between you and the next guy that ended up getting gone. And, got, and I'm assuming the reason you haven't named Goldstein in here is because you've already got him. So why not have the Gornstein combo? Yeah, that's. I agree with you there. Yeah. All right. Next question for you, champion. Um, this one says here by Trey. Oh, I'm sorry about trying to pronounce this. Brayon. Bray. I'm. I'm not going to try. I'm just going to leave it there. It says, <laughs> "Can we use players with their buys as a captain loophole? Um, you can use any players with their buy as a emergency loophole or a captain loophole. They, as we said previously, they lock out at the start of the first. Sorry, the start of the last game of the round. So, yeah, you can even trade right up until then as well. Yeah, that, you spot, you've hit the nail on the head, mate. <laughs> Good. That's what I'm here for. I'm not, I'm not even going to put any input into that. Um, all right, we've got Harvey Carlton. I've chucked this one in just for Houston. Um, Doc, please answer. I need help. I got rid of Tom Campbell, Daniel Talia, lol, since I got him in. I've made like nearly 200K. And Hewitt. I brought in Gorn, Gibson, and Matheson. Is there only any one that I should keep in particular or get rid of, bring in, etc. this week? And <laughs> the top comment, you should avoid all of these three trades. Well, yeah, that's a bit mean. <laughs> but I didn't even know Tom Campbell still played in the AFL. He, he, I actually, funny enough, he has, hasn't been going too badly. He's averaging 78 as a forward ruck. Maybe you keep him as that swing. Maybe this is just he's lucked out on finding a, a, a ruck forward swing that um, that he's already got and he doesn't have to worry about. That I would not trade him out. I'd just use him as my F7, just as cover and insurance in case my other two rucks went down. I think, um, yeah, don't trade him out. Um, Daniel Talia, totally lucked out for him. He just came out of nowhere with like five big scores. He's gone up 200K as mentions. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not sure he can uh, maintain that for the rest of the season. I mean, you, you're more than welcome to hold him, but boy, was that a risky pick. Yeah. Um, Hewitt also could go. I think if you're going to bring in Gibbo and Matheson, don't get Matheson because he's not playing. Yep. Um, the other rookies we talked about earlier in the podcast, I would get in instead. Yeah. Um, if you're going to bring in Gorn, I imagine that's because you're playing Tom Campbell at R- R2. Is that what's happened here? I, I have a feeling it probably is. That's a bit strange. I think that's why they're thinking of bringing in Gorn. I, I would be doing some sort of switch to keep Tom Campbell um, as that little bench loophole and getting Gorn in if you could. That would be my advice. Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, if you could try and somehow get Daniel Talia to Gorn via some successful DPP switching around and some... Uh, some magic, that's probably the go-to move. Just not Magic Door. Yes, not Magic Door, please. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate, you grab the next one. Um, this one says, from Josh Martic, I've got Steph Martin as an R3. Do I trade him before he loses cash or hold him considering Nick, Nat, and Lysa are out and it might play him into some form? 
uh, I would be holding him, especially he's basically got no more cash to lose. You can pick him up for a loaf of bread. Yeah, this, this we've, we're past the point of trading him. Hold him, hope with West out, he goes on a run. For those that can afford to get premium cover, he's somebody that I would look at getting in. If you only had one mid-spot left, would you choose Lockie Neal, Callum Ward, Joel Selwood, or Scott Pendlebury? I would choose Scott Pendlebury. Yeah, I would too, every day of the week. They say uh, it's from Anthony. <laughs> I know why. I'm not going to pronounce the last name. I'm having a terrible trouble here. Anthony, Anthony... Yes. <laughs> well, I can't read, so let's just throw that in the podcast. Um Trelaw is already in his midfield. Apparently, someone told me that because um, I can't see it here on the screen. So I think maybe the worry is about doubling up with Collingwood midfielders, but I wouldn't worry and yeah. I would just get Pendlebury because he's an out-and-out gun. So his midfield is Danger, Hannes, Ablett, Gray, Pritis, Shield, and Trelaw. I don't think you really need to worry about doubling up or anything like that. Just get just get Pendles. It's, it's just get the best. The I mean, player that's averaging all, the most. They're all going absolutely brilliantly. Um, the only reason that you might pick someone else is because Pendlebury is quite highly owned being the player he is. So you could definitely put in the uh, the theory that picking a Neil Ward or Sloan would give you some uniqueness in your midfield. Well, Ward's got a nice draw coming up. Neil's going to drop in price after his stinker last week. Yep. So I think they're the other um, pros for getting the other players. Personally, wouldn't worry about that. Just get to, uh, to Pendlebury. But... He did cop a minor ankle injury during the game last week, so maybe monitor and see how he pulls up because he's not playing this week anyway, so you can just wait a week and see what the news says about it uh, next week. Yeah, okay. Um, Zach Prevetti, who do you think is a better option in the long run, Merritt or Barlow? That's an interesting question. And he really is now that Barlow's got his new role. I own both of those players, and I feel like the answer is going to be merit just because Ross Lyon is just being you know what now that he's come out and said he's praised Barlow is probably just going to play him as a forward this week and not even play him as a tagger yeah that's that the Ross the boss boss of nothing just is going to you can't trust anything he says so if he comes out and says that Barlow is loving his new role and it's brilliant for the team it basically means he's one bad game away game away from playing in the waffle reserves yeah, well, it, it's too hard to know. I think Zaret's pretty much, he's he's been very consistent by like one game. So, yeah, if I had to pick one, it would be him. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm honestly not worried about Merritt running out of steam. He had a, a 95 average for, through the entirety of last year. There's no reason why we would think he would drop off this year either. Yeah, no, I agree. I've got one uh, good last question for you. Yeah, yeah. Tyrone Scott says, Delidio, Montagna or JJK, Josh J. Kennedy? Delidio and who else? Montagna and Josh J. Kennedy. Yep. Delidio and Montagna were the two highest forwards last year. They were the only ones that got anywhere close to 110. They're both aging. They're both liable for some sort of resting or um, a week off through like a calf niggle or something like that. Josh Kennedy is still the highest uh, scoring forward at this point in the season, he's still the highest scoring forward. It's crazy. I think you should also consider his draw. If I just talk you through his next couple games, yeah, he, he has goes, he goes big against shit, te- uh, terrible teams. 
<laughs> he's playing the Lions this week at the Gabba. Then he has his bye. Then he comes back and he's playing Dons at home before playing North Melbourne at home. Then he plays Carlton, Melbourne, Pies, Frio. And then during the Supercoach finals, he has GWS, Hawthorne and Crows. So not an ideal Supercoach finals. Um, but until that point, he's got a big seven weeks ahead of him. Look, he's got to this point of the season just doing what he's doing. He's racking up a lot of forward tackles, a lot of forward pressure. He's taken a lot of marks. Even in games where he's not kicking goals, he's still averaging 85 super coach points. That's unheard of for a forward outside of like um, Buddy and um, Rewalt and players like that. He's definitely next level. I'd have absolutely no dramas getting him considering we've got 11, 12 rounds of proof to say that he's the best forward out there. And how do you think Nick Nat out affects him? I think the supply is still going to get him there. I think the midfield for West Coast is still decent enough that without direct hitouts to advantage, they've got enough inside grunt work and the Pritices and the Shoeys that the ball is still going to get down to him. And as I just said, he doesn't need to kick big bags of goals to kick to get big scores. He's doing it in his marks and his tackles and his work up the ground. Um, I think I think it was. Um, he kicked one goal, uh, not last week or the week before, and he still racked up a super coach ton. Yeah, he's, he's getting it done all over the ground, um, just racking up the points. So I think he's a pretty safe pick between those three options. Personally, I would get JJK, but if um, you needed money, Montagna is going to drop a lot, quite a bit more in price next week. Yeah. Um, and He's going to be super value for, yeah. for how good he is. That's so was, if you're looking for value, gonna, that's where I'd go. That's what I was going to say because Montagna is going to be $100,000 cheaper than Kennedy. And me being me, I can't say no to that. It's definitely a good deal. Yeah. Um, but then there's Deledio, man. Look, Tyrone, <laughs> this, this literally... You go, you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. You pick Kennedy, Deledio averages 110 for the rest of the year. Look, okay. I've, I've, I've made a decision. Pistol, are you All ready? Right. I'm After ready. everything we've said, I'm picking Deledio. <laughs> <laughs> is your reasoning, is it because um, just the way the season's panning out, nothing logical will make sense? Look, it's one of those those seasons where it doesn't matter what you do, something terrible is going to go wrong. So pick what you think is the wrong choice and it's bound to go right. Yep, sounds good to me. So no. there we go. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> Lids has been averaging 97 for the season. He started off quite slow. Over his last five rounds, he's averaging 105. So he's starting to build that that um, that tank going. He's starting to get better. He's only got in 3.8% of teams. He hasn't stopped dropping in price yet, but it's going to get to a point where he's just going to be too cheap to ignore. I see him being one of the top two or three highest scorers coming home at the end of the year because Richmond always come home with a wet sail. It's just something about their club. They always do it. Delidio has been the highest scoring forward for a number of years. And he's cheaper than JJK and more reliable than I than Montagna, I think. I am going to pick him just for that reason. Well, that all makes sense. I think you they're all good options, so I don't think you really can go wrong. But now that you've uh, heard the pros and cons of all of them, 
um, hopefully you make the right decision and make sure you let us know which one you end up choosing. So the correct answer is uh, to get in Barlow. Or <laughs> 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 Zach Merritt, I guess. <laughs> All right, I'll shoot one more question. One more question to you, okay? I, I thought that be... was the last one, so I'm no, a bit worried no, that was about the last what this one to me. All right, this is absolutely one for you, okay? Are Golden State going to wrap up the NBA title tomorrow? Go Pistol. They are. No, they're not. Unfortunately, for for those uh, Dubs fans, I think you're going to have to wait till Game 7 and then get the job done. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> what, what do you think? I, I think they're just going to romp home with it. I think it's going to be a 15-point win. All right, I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah. Looking forward to it, though. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the podcast, guys. It's been packed full of content. It's probably a little bit all over the place because we uh, go a bit crazy of a, a, a Thursday night when we've been stressed out trying to fix our trades all week. But you've been absolutely brilliant there again, Pistol. I can't wait to uh, to see how our planning turns out by the end of the weekend. Yeah, and uh, look, good luck for everyone for the buys. And also, if you did enjoy the podcast, uh, feel free to have a gold coin donation or something like that to our everyday hero account to charity for the Cancer Council Victoria. We'll post the links in the comment after the podcast. Yeah, and I, I challenge everyone for every donut that you get during the buy rounds, every donut that you have to have, you put a dollar into the, the account. I think that's fair enough, don't you think, Pete? Sounds good to me. I'll be doing it as well. Yeah, I've already uh, had to do it during the year. So I've got absolutely no dramas chucking in 20 bucks per donut over the next three weeks. Well, let's uh, hope you have plenty of donuts. (laughs) (laughs) All right, mate. I'm signing off. I'll talk to you next week, hey? No worries. Catch you later, mate. Catch you, Pistol. See you guys.